How many are thankful that you're in the house of God today? Hallelujah. It's a good place to be. It's a beautiful day. The Bible says this is the day the Lord has made, and we are going to do what? Rejoice and be glad in it, right? It's so good to be here, and we just thank God uh, that you're here this morning to, to worship with us. Few in number means nothing with God as long as he has some hearts that are ready to praise God this morning. Amen? That's what matters. And you're here, God's here, and he wants to do some mighty things here this morning. I believe that with all my heart. So uh, as far as announcements this morning, um, men, we will have some further announcements coming up for our cookout that we're going to be doing over there at Gypsy Hill Park on the 16th of July. We will have some um, information for you hopefully very soon about uh, that. Uh, women, today, again, it is today, this evening at 5 o'clock, you're going to be coming here at the church for a movie night. Yes. Amen. You're going to be watching Overcomer. So, uh, great movie. Come out and be a part of it and bring something to snack on. Right? Everybody likes to eat snacks with their, when they watch a movie, so... Enjoy that, ladies, tonight. But we're going to go into, we want to, we as the Bible says, you know, we need to be coming into the house of God ready to worship, Amen. right? When we enter into this, these doors, we should be coming in with thankful hearts and ready to start praising God. Amen? Uh, and, and again, I want to say, you know, like the Bible talks about, you know, David said, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. Are you glad this morning that you were able to come into the house of God? You know, there's a lot of people out there in the world, they're in a lot of chaos right now, church. We need to be praying more than ever. But great things have already happened, and great things are going to continue to happen. Because God is starting to show himself strong, amen? He will prevail in evil times, and God still will pour out His Spirit even during rough and tough times. That's when things, great things do happen. So get ready, get excited. As we get ready to go to worship, we are going to come in with, uh, with a heart that is ready to lift up praises to the Most High God. Are you ready this morning? God bless you. Let's, let's stand and get ready to worship God. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. How many is glad to One, be in the house of the Lord? Two. Amen. How many thankful for what God has done in your life? Amen. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I thank God that I'm not what I used to be. Amen. Turn it. 
Supreme Court. Amen. That just goes to show you don't quit praying, church. 50 years, but God can turn things around. Amen. Hallelujah. 
something you've been believing the Lord for. 
Like I said earlier, there's no time with God. You just keep believing in His time. He's going to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just keep believing, church. Hallelujah. They say this mountain can't be
give the Lord a big hand this morning? Hallelujah. How many of you believe in for something God for to do something great in your life? Amen. Father, we thank you this morning. Father, the enemy wants to bring doubt. He wants to bring fear. He wants to bring unbelief. But Father, your word said it is done. It is finished. You said at the cross, it was finished. And you stamped on the word of God that every promise belongs to me. And no matter how the enemy tries to come and attack our minds, Father, by faith, we look through the eyes of faith and see it already done. We see it already accomplished. We already see it in force. We see it in operation through the eyes of faith. So God, we're, we're asking you to, to take those eyes of, of doubt and fear and unbelief away from us. And through the Spirit, bring us eyes of seeing things that we never seen before and believe for things we never believed before. Because God, we only get through the promises of God through the eyes of faith. Without faith, you said it's impossible to please you. You said it, and I believe it. Father, we thank you. Church, let's, let's sing one more chorus of that. And I want you to lift your hands up. I want you to close your eyes. And by faith, I want you to see it. not uh, hard sometimes y'all play just a little bit in the background that when we don't see it happening once we've went to prayer we've asked the Lord and entered in through the throne room and we ask in faith it gets a little it gets a little hard doesn't it when we have to go for this period of time and uh we don't see it happening. It's that in-between time. It's that time. It's that gap that we know that we've went to the throne of grace in the name of Jesus. We know that we've 
went before the throne correctly. And we believe that we have asked in faith, believing. But it's that gap before the promise that sometimes is where we waver. And the Bible actually says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, meaning that we're not to waver between the promise and us asking. And so I believe that we have to stand on the Word of God. We've got to quote the Word of God. And we've got to stand believing that God, if you said it, it's done. It's finished. And I'm not going to walk in fear and unbelief and, and doubt anymore because if you said it, it's done. How many of you believe it's done in your life right now? Let's give the Lord a big hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give the band, the singers, a wonderful hand this morning. Did a great job this morning. A great job. Got a lot of people traveling. I got phone calls and texts. A lot of people out. But we're believing God is going to touch the rest of the service. How many of you felt the Lord in worship this morning? we got a lot of prayer requests. Continually to remember the ones that are at home and can't get, uh, cannot, um, cannot get out. Let's continually to remember them in our prayers. Praise the Lord. Uh, Tammy, I think you have a, a women's uh, movie tonight at what time? At 5 o'clock. So be praying about, be praying about uh, that. So we have a lot of prayer requests. Continually seek the Lord. The Bible says when we pray... Amen. He opens the windows of heaven, and he touches our lives, right? And he's going to answer our prayer requests. Uh, we've been in the last, uh, it's the first time that I've ever started a, um, started a series and has actually went through the, the, the summer. I usually do a series that's anywhere from uh, four to five weeks long. But we've been on this series. I felt like the Lord just wanted me to continually on the topic of faith. Uh, and one reason is that we obtain nothing, uh, we obtain nothing from the Lord except by, we accept nothing, we get nothing from the Lord but by uh, faith. Uh, we obtain the promises of God by faith. Without faith, say it with me, without faith, it's in what? It's impossible to please God. It's impossible to to receive his promises without uh, faith. And so we're going to talk about uh, faith again um, this morning. And we're gonna, what we're going to look at, and then we're going to go into next week and then weeks ahead, on the positive side of what faith looks like. That's the exciting part. Uh, last week I had talked about uh, what faith is not. And so this week, for one more week, we're going to uh, look at the eyes of what the eyes of faith look like, but we're really, we're really going to look at is what fear looks like, the eyes of uh, fear. So if you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to, because we're going to look and we're going to dig into the book of Deuteronomy and uh, in Numbers, excuse me, and we're going to look at uh, what it looks like uh, to walk in the eyes of uh, faith. Uh, we're going to look at the background in Numbers chapter 13 and 14. Uh, Moses is leading the children of Israel uh, to the edge of Canaan. He's already led them across the 
Say with me, across the Red Sea. Uh, it's been two years from Egypt to Israel across Sinai. But there's about one million people in the process of walking. And it takes them almost, some scholars believe, it takes them almost two years to get to a place called Kadesh. It's a place where they're looking to cross. It's a crossing point. It's a, it's a place, it's a, I like to call it, it's a place, it's a pivot point in their life. It's a crossroads in their life. It is a paradigm shift in their life. And God wants to bring us to a place in our life that he wants to bring a paradigm shift and bring us into Canaan. Uh, he, he wants to shift us, move us into the greater promises that he has for you and I. It's, a, it's going to be a transition point in Israel's life that they've never been before. Because they've been locked up in slavery for years. And God has promised them Canaan for over four, uh, I believe 400 years through their ancestors. Uh, after crossing into Canaan, they're going to be crossing into a greater life. They're going to be crossing into a land that is going to belong to them. God's already promised them this land. Has God already promised you anything? Has God already promised you some things in your life that you don't have yet? Do you got some promises that God has said that belongs to you and you've not walked in them yet? Well, this is where they're at. They've been in uh, slavery in front of Pharaoh, and, and now they have been released from Pharaoh. They've crossed the Red Sea, and now they are sitting at the bank of Kadesh at the edge of the promised land. Um, it is once again a great pivot point in their life. Um, not only a great pivot point, a great transition, but this is, a, this is a, a massive transition because they're going into this land, and it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a land that they will raise their children. It's a land they will be farming. It's a land where they can be buying and selling. It's a, a land that they, once again, will be raising their family. So this is big to the children of Israel. I want to submit to you this morning that God has something big for your life. God's got something great for your life. You might not see it at this moment, but God's got something great for your life. He's got something great for your family. He's got something great for your kids. He's got something great for your, for your grandkids. Before Moses, before the children of Israel are to go into Canaan, Moses sends... 12 spies in to, uh, to look at the land, to scout out the land. He, 12, he sends these 12 spies in to see what's going on in the land. Because if they cross into Canaan, are they going to cross into a starting, is there going to be a war that they face? Uh, what are they facing in Canaan? What is the position? What does it look like in Canaan? So they send these 12 spies in, which a great leader would do, to scope out the land. What does it look like? Moses wants to know what the land looks like. He wants a report brought to him of what they're going to face when they 
enter. And so Joshua and Caleb uh, are to give him a, a report. Joshua and Caleb bring back a good report. This report is the promised land. It's incredible. Joshua and Caleb said, let's take it. Uh, Joshua and Caleb said, this is the promised land. Let's possess the land. There's giants in the land, but we can take the giants. We got this. Let's move forward. Let's step into the promise. Let's step into the land flowing with milk and honey. Let's step into our inheritance. How many of you want to step into your inheritance? How many of you want to step into your promised land? How many of you want to step into what God has for you? How many of you want to go from where you're at now and walk in the promises and in the goodness and the prosperity and the power and the might that God has in store for you? God's, God's got it in store for you. And this is where Israel was at. And Joshua and Caleb bring back a, a great report. Why did Joshua and Caleb bring back a great report? Because Joshua and Caleb were great visionary leaders. They, they were men that had vision. Do you have vision of what you want God to do in your life? Do you have great vision of the promises that God has given you? And you have a vision to see that take place? Well, Joshua and Caleb had that vision. Do you have a vision that maybe your kids are not saved right now? But you have a vision that one day they're going to walk through the doors of this church. They're going to walk to the altar, sister. They're going to give their life to Christ. Their children, your grandchildren are going to be on worship teams. They're going to be preaching the gospel, going to be Sunday school teachers. They're going to be working in multimedia. They're going to be doing great things for God. Can you vision God doing great things in your family? Well, Joshua and Caleb had that vision. And so they go back and tell Moses, we can take this land. Well, what it, does to, what it does to Moses, it puts a fire in Moses. There is nothing like people that have a good report to put fire into a leader. After service, if I've preached a message and somebody comes up to me and they say, Pastor, that sermon, it was a part in that sermon that made me get on my knees. God dealt with me to get on my knees and, and, and deal with this certain situation in my life. That puts a fire in me. I say, praise God. God, you're, you're working, you're moving, you're doing something. And so they bring this great report back to Moses. And Moses is excited. Moses is pumped up. Moses has, has did some hard work of getting Israel uh, away from Pharaoh and crossing that Red Sea. And now Moses is ready to go into the promised land. Joshua now is ready to back Moses up. Caleb is ready to back Moses up. And they're ready to go take the promise. Are you ready to take the promise this morning? Them guys are ready. They're fired up to take the promise. Moses has got two men that are ready to go into the promised land with him. Into Canaan. When a leader has people around him that speaks positive and words of encouragement like I just mentioned... It, it fires that leader up. It causes a leader like Moses. It causes a leader to get alone more with God. It causes a leader to pray more. 
It causes a leader to fast more. It causes a leader to speak the word more when he knows he has people around him that can see the vision that he has for God's people. But there were ten other men that went in the land with Joshua and Caleb that brought back a different report. It wasn't the same report that Joshua and Caleb brought back. And so what I want to do this morning for the next few minutes, I want to give you five things that the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith does in your life. Okay? Now, you say, Pastor, that's the negative side of, of faith, and it is. But I think it's important that we identify the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith. Next week, we're going to get in and identify what faith does and why faith and the reason for faith. And we're going to get into the good things of faith. But this morning, I want to break this down. What does it look like to look through the eyes of fear? Because the eyes of fear, brothers and sisters, will stop you from obtaining your promise. And so we want to look at them this morning. Number one, let's quickly identify them. Number one, write these down. Through the eyes of fear, we expand our difficulties. What does that mean? We make them worse than they really are. When you look at your problems with fear, they get bigger. The more you look at your problems, the more difficult they get. When I look at my situation through the eyes of fear, it stops me from reaching my destiny and obtaining what God has asked me to obtain. Numbers chapter 13 and verse 27 and 28. This is the ten spies talking now, not Joshua and Caleb. Listen to the words and the voice of these ten spies. Listen to their language. You can tell by the way someone talks if they're walking in fear or if they're walking in faith. You can tell by their spiritual language if they're walking in fear or they're walking in faith. Listen to the voice of the ten spies. It says, Joshua and Caleb said, But the people living here are powerful and their cities are fortress and large. Once more, we saw giants in the land. They said, It's an impressive land. It's a wonderful land. But listen to the ten spies. But... It's, it's all that Joshua and Caleb said it was, but, but, it's a great place, but it's got a lot of problems. There's a lot of reasons that we cannot cross and go into the promised land. It's a beautiful land, but God's promised me that he would save my children and my grandkids and he would take care of my job and he would take care of my relationships and he would take care of my marriage and he would heal me and he would take care of me. But I've got this going on in my life. But the devil's told me this. But the enemy is, is wants me to face this. But they was focusing on the negative instead of looking through the eyes of faith. 
The next verse in, 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 in Numbers chapter 13 and, and, and 31 and 32 is 10 spies say, listen to their words. Listen to their negative talk. They said, they'll crush us, which means in Hebrew, they're going to eat us up. They're going to devour us. They're going to eat us alive. See, that was the report. Listen, this is important if you're taking notes. That is the report of the majority. But the re report of the majority wasn't the true report. I want to point out here that the majority report is always negative. Nobody that's in leadership, or excuse me, everybody's in leadership, listen to this. Anybody who's going to get anything done in this world is, half, is going to have to go against the majority report. Because the majority of people are going to be looking through the eyes of fear and not through the eyes of faith, and you have to understand that. There is always somebody that wants to rain on your parade. There's always somebody that cannot that says to you that it can't be done. There's always somebody that wants to disagree with a God-given vision because they don't want to change. A God-given vision at times will require change. There is always somebody that does not want to move forward because of the difficulty that it takes to be successful. Why are the ten spies saying it different than what Joshua and Caleb is saying? Because they're looking through the eyes of fear and not through the eyes of faith. Yes, there's giants in the land. Yes, there's situations that they're going to have to tackle. Yes, there are problems they're going to have to face. Yes, there are battles that are going to have to be won. But it only happens through the eyes, listen, it only happens through the eyes of faith. Here's the point. Nobody remembers the negative guys. Do you know the names of the ten spies that went into the promised land with Joshua and Caleb? Do you remember their names? Nobody remembers the names of the critics that walk around. Nobody remembers the name of the negative people. Nobody remembers the names of the people that are trying to come against you to do what God's asked you to do. Nobody remembers the people of the negative side, which we sure do get a message from Joshua and Caleb that wanted to go in. Do you have people in your life that speak negative all the time over your life? Let me pause here and see you need to get them out of your life. The second thing that we see in this passage of Scripture, looking through the eyes of fear, listen closely, is we underestimate our own abilities. We're hard on ourselves. We see the problems worse than they really are, but we underestimate our own God-given abilities as well. Take, take note here. Listen to Numbers chapter 33 and verse 13, what it says. It says, we, listen, listen to the ten spies. Listen to their voice. Listen to their language. It says, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. What kind of talk is that? You talk about low self-esteem. They're saying, we're just a bunch of bugs, grasshoppers compared to these guys. 
They're going to they're gonna eat our lunch. Notice they said, we saw ourselves like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Their own self-image. How did they know how they looked in the enemy's eyes? How did they know what they looked like in the enemy's eyes? There's a powerful word for that, and I wrote it down. It's called projection. You tend to project your fears on everyone else around you. They're projecting their fears. The nation of Israel have been enslaved for 400 years, and they've been free for 40, but they're still mentally enslaved in the condition that they're in, and they seem helpless, and they still seem enslaved, but they're not enslaved by Pharaoh. They are enslaved by their own mentality. How many of us are enslaved by our own mentality? We're enslaved by our own thinking and what we think. Let me stop here just for, just for a minute. It could have been that years ago that someone said something to you and you're still carrying that voice around in your head. They might not even be alive anymore. But you're enslaved to the image that they spoke over your life. You had someone, you had a parent, you had a mom, you had a dad, you had a sister, you had a brother, you had a boss, you had a friend, you had someone that told you things like, you're not going to make it. Told you things like, you're a failure. Told you things like, it's never going to work out for you in your life. Told you things like, maybe that you're stupid. Told you all of these things. And that has created an image in your mind. And it's created a bad self-image of who you really are. Because the Bible says who the Son is set free. Listen to this. Can I free you this morning? I want to free you this morning. Okay? That is lies from the devil. I feel the Holy Spirit. If it ain't but one person that needed it this morning, it was worth it all. That is lies from the devil. Who the Son has set free. You are free indeed. You're free from that mindset. Maybe you had a husband that did nothing but maybe drink and, and talk down to you all the time. Maybe, once again, you had a friend, a, a dad or a, or a mom or a boss or someone that was always putting you down and always talking bad about you or saying you'll never mount to anything. Let me echo from this pulpit once again who the Son has set free, is free indeed. You are somebody. In the name of Jesus, you have the character, you have the image of Christ, and God said today you are free. In Jesus' name. Get that trash out of your head. It was the self 
image of the ten spies that they brought back to Moses. The third thing is we get discouraged when we look through the eyes of fear instead of the eyes of faith. In Numbers chapter 41, 1 says, Then all the people began weeping aloud. Now they're having a pity party. Poor us. They're crying and they're, they're whining because they did not get into the promised land. As I was reading over this story, Brother Jeff, I started thinking, this story, I've read this story many times. If anybody knows a little bit about me, I love the story of Joshua and Caleb and the book of Joshua, and if, if anybody. But the, I, the more I read this story this time, the more I got frustrated with the story. And you know why I got frustrated with the story? It was because the children of Israel was on the brink of going into the Canaan land. They were at Kadesh. They were on the border. When I looked up that word, they were on the border of going into the promise. They were standing right in the border. They have walked for two years. Now, it would probably take about a million people to walk from two years from when they left Egypt to go to the edge of Canaan. But they are right on the edge of the border, camping out. Right on the border. Are we on the border of our promise? Are we on the border of what God wants to do in our life? Are we on the border of revival? Are we on the border of God doing something mighty in our life? Are we on the border of seeing God open the windows of heaven on our life? Are we on the border of that? I want to say yes. Come on, help me preach. I want to say yes, we are. No matter where you are in life right now, I believe God has you on the border of something great. I believe God has you something on the border of something great. I believe God has you on the border of walking into healing and prosperity and doing something great for God. You're on the border of that. And here they stand. On the border. The Kadesh. Of the Canaan. And now they start grumbling and complaining about how their life is. Did they forget that God just took them out of slavery two years before? Did they forget that God brought them across the Red Sea? Did, God, did they forget that God brought them across the desert, which interprets as dry places? Has God brought you through some dry places? Has God brought you through some bad places? Has God brought you through some tough places in your life? They were called dry places in your life. And now God has brought them to the edge of getting into the promise. And now they are discouraged, but they are discouraged about the report that was brought back to them. And the Bible says in Numbers chapter 1 that all the people began weeping aloud, having a pity party. What's keeping them out of the promised land? Their eyes of fear. They're not living by faith. They're discouraged. And when you start getting discouraged, it's when you are not living 
with eyes of faith. Discouragement eats a hole in our hearts. It paints us a, a picture to want to quit. Discouragement is a tool that the enemy uses to turn progress into retreat. Discouragement brings a distaste for the present. Discouragement takes away your appetite for life. You no longer can taste joy and happiness. Discouragement brings a distrust in the future. And that's what happened to the children of Israel. Once upon a time, the devil decided to have a garage sale. He did it because he wanted to clear out some of his old tools to make room for the new ones. After he set up his items, a man dropped by to see what the devil had in his garage sale. Arranged on a long table were all the tricks of this hellish trade. Each tool had a price tag. In the corner was a shiny tool labeled anger. The devil says, I want $250 for that. Next is another tool labeled slothfulness. The devil says, I want $380 for that. Another tool was criticism. The devil says, I want $500 for that one. The next one was jealousy. The devil said, I'll take $650 for that one. Out of the corner of his eye, the man spotted a beaten up tool with a price tag of $12,000. The man asked the devil why he would offer such a high price for such a piece of junk is that right? The devil said it's expensive because I've used it so much. What is it, the man asked. The devil answered back, it's discouragement. It always works when nothing else will. Number four. They started to gripe about their life. They are griping about everything that's going wrong. Please write this one down. Looking through the eyes of fear looks at all the wrong in our life and never sees the good. God is getting ready to march them right into the promised land. They're right on the border. God is getting ready to take them in. And because of the way they're looking at their situation, instead of looking at it through faith, they're looking at it through the eyes of fear, and they start to gripe. Listen, brothers and sisters. That is, listen, write this down. That is a no-no to God. Griping about what you're going through. Looking through the eyes of fear will cause you and I to gripe about our situation. You want to walk in the promises of God? You want to go to the mountaintop? You want to go higher? You want to succeed and walk in great prosperity? You want to be healed? How many of you want all that in your life? How many of you want all of that in your life this morning? Do not gripe about your present circumstance. You want God to, to have you on the, the border of the promise of what he wants to do in your life? And, and you're standing there and God's about to ready to take you in. And you're looking through the eyes of fear. You start to gripe about your current circumstance. 
What if your current circumstance is God doing a transformation in you before he transitioned you? I told a pastor the other day, he's getting ready to, to, to uh, uh, in the Assemblies of God, he's getting ready to move out and, uh, from his church and going into missions. And uh, I'm in the process through the district of helping him do that. And I told him, I said, there will always be a transformation in you, Pastor, before there is a transition, transition for you. God will always uh, bring a transition, trans, uh, transformation, excuse me, a transformation inside of you. He's going to do something inside of you before he transitions you into the greater. So don't gripe and complain about where you're at. Because God's doing a transformation in you. Hallelujah. I don't want to be where I'm at right now. Amen. How many of you like where you're at right now? Because you, you want the greater. You want the best. You want God to do great things in your life. And so you're not real happy at where you're at right now. But if I would realize through the eyes of faith that where I am at right now God is doing a transformation in me so he can transition me. So if I realize, God, you're doing a transformation in me through the eyes of faith, and I just stick it out and I let God mold me and make me and put me on the potter's wheel, if I'll just get through that and walk with God through that, if I'll just be what God wants me to be and walk through that, then God's going to transition me into the promise that God has. Listen to Israel in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 2. After all the night with the pity party, then all the Israelites start to grumble against Moses and Aaron. It's Moses and Aaron's fault. Really? They start to come up against the leader and blame him for their lack of faith. We wish that we had a died in Egypt. They wailed and cried out. We wish we had died even in the wilderness. First they mourn and now they murmur. First they cry and now they complain. They're now blaming Moses for their lack of faith. Let me say this. Highly critical people are always highly insecure people. It's dominated by fear. When you find somebody who is critical of other people, it's because they're insecure and they don't want you to feel good about yourself. They certainly don't want you feeling good about anyone else or yourself. It's all about them. They underestimated their abilities. They got discouraged. They griped. And lastly, we eventually give up and blame God. Wow. We eventually give up and we blame God. This is a dangerous place to be. The last one, we eventually give up and blame God. Numbers chapter 14, and they said, notice, why is the Lord bringing us into the land to be killed with swords? We'd be better off going back to Egypt. They're getting ready to cross once again in 
to what God has for us. And because, listen, because it hasn't happened yet, because it hasn't transitioned yet into what they want, they start to blame God. How many of you, like me, at times, have just wanted to give up and you wanted to blame God? Come on, let's be frank this morning. How many of you, at times, has wanted to just give up and because this is not working out on my timetable, then it's God's fault? How many have done that before? Come on, raise, let's all raise our hands because we have somewhere along the line we have, okay? We've blamed God, haven't we? Or we've wanted to give up. Once again, they are standing on the brink of their miracle. And because of the voice of the ten spies of what I've just gave you, they start to blame God. And they want to give up. Because they're looking through the eyes of fear. It's not the leader's fault. It's not your family's fault. It's not your husband's fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's not the Sunday school teacher's fault. It's not another pastor's fault if you're not walking in faith. God has asked us to walk in faith. And isn't it funny that we start blaming other people and blaming God when things are not happening in our life? It's up to you to read your Bible on a daily basis. It's up to you to come to church on a daily basis. It's up to you to pray on a daily basis to build your faith. It's up to you to meditate on the Word to build your faith on a daily basis. It's up to you to speak faith in the scriptures that God has given your life. It's up to you to do your part on building your faith. Because faith without works is what? Dead. It's, up, it's your responsibility. It's not the pastor's or anybody else's responsibility to build your faith. Yes, I'm supposed to do my part to try my best to build your faith. But you have to pick it up from there. Read your Bible. Pray, meditate on scripture, speak positive, speak what God said over your life, and God will manifest it and see it come to pass. Can you say amen? amen. Let's stand this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord.
you look up here just a minute. How many of you feel like you're in, I asked you this early in the message. You feel like that you are standing on the brink of that transition. How many of you feel like that this morning? How many of you really believe that God's about to open up something in your life? This is what I want to challenge you to do. You say, Pastor, I don't feel like that my faith level is where it needs to be. How many would say with me this morning, you would say, Pastor, I want my faith level higher. Come on, I want to, how many of you want your faith level higher? Because the Bible says you, you get only the promises of God by what? By faith. It's the only way you get them, by faith. Now, I can plead and I can cry and I can write and I can blame God and I can do all those things and he's not going to feel sorry for me and say, you know, I feel sorry for Kevin down there. He's not getting the promises, and I feel sorry, so I'm going to just hand them to him. No. He, he says that you get them. He said, God said, I'm telling you how you're going to get the promises. It's by what? It's by faith. So that's what, what I want to do. I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to challenge myself. That in the weeks ahead during this series, that I want you to put more time in reading your Bible. Because the, the, the Bible says it's the Word of God that builds our what? It's the Word of God that builds our faith. Oh. I, I want you to, in the next two or three, I know it's summertime, but the next three, four, five months, I want you to make your church attendance stronger. And I want you to, I want you to up your prayer life. And I want you to up meditating on the Word of God. And then I want you to take the Word of God, the promises that God has given you for your situation. I want you to go out through the day and start speaking those promises. I, 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 you know, maybe now you're not doing it, but find the promises that God has for your situation and go in and find some Scripture and out through the day, just start quoting them wherever you're at. If you're in the grocery store, just, you know, just, quote, them, uh, just quote them quietly. You don't have to scream it out. Just quote your scripture. Spend more time meditating on God, meditating on prayer. And we're going to get our faith up. And we're going to watch. We're going to watch. But Jeff, we're going to see miracles. Come on. We're going to see miracles. We're going to see God do great things. We're going to see God put marriages back together. We're going to see our children come home. We're going to see them saved. We're going to see our grandkids walking with God. Ladies. Because we're walking by faith. So how many of you want to start building your faith? And the Bible says, listen to this, is that my responsibility? Yes, because faith without works is what? It's dead. My part is to do my homework, my works, is to do these things. And I believe God is going to open up doors like he's never opened before in our life. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I felt like you wanted me at the end to challenge them.
to read more, to be praying more, to be quoting more scripture, to be speaking the word more, to build their, to build their faith. Because God, you have got something great that you're going to do in our life. You got to rhyme a word that you want to speak to each one of us. You, you got a word that you want to speak to each and every one of us. And God, we don't have to walk in our life in fear and doubt and unbelief. We can be people of faith. We can be people that walk by faith and not by sight. We can be people that pray and see our prayers answered. We can be people that pray and see that you open up doors. We can be people that pray to see bondages broken off. We can be people of faith that speak and this happens because we're walking by faith, not by sight. So Father, we thank you this morning. I want you to Let's sing this last. It's getting kind of late, but let's sing this last chorus. Then we're going to pray. negative parts of faith, but how many of you know now, how many of you glad now you know the negative things of faith, amen? We're going to jump into the positive uh, end of faith for the next three or four weeks, and we're going to have a great time uh, in the Lord. We're going to stay on this series this summer, because I believe God is building our faith for what's about to come, amen? Say for what's about to come, what's about to come, amen? Let's give the Lord a big hand. May the Lord bless you, and I believe, sister, did you have a... And to address the ladies' prayer group, they have had my daughter, Teresa, on their prayer list. She had a very serious disease and was told there was going to be four years of treatments mm. to get her to where she needed to be. She was seeing several different doctors and one day walking in the park and doing her exercises, she got a phone call while she was walking and it was one of the doctors calling her 
and he said, Teresa, you haven't met me yet. This, this was a doctor she hadn't met. And he said, <clears throat> he said, you don't need to meet me. You are cleared of everything. Yeah. Man. He said you can forget your four years. You're good to go. Wow. Go and live your life. Wow. Amen. I myself have recently been seeing some doctors and was told I do not have cancer. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So thank you, Jesus. And thank you, church, for all your prayers. Amen. I Let's love give the Lord you. a hand this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's, that's walking into the promised land, isn't it? Amen. Amen. How many of you know God's got a lot more promises ready? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. May the Lord bless you and may his face shine upon you.